Hi, I'm Judy Brooks. And I'm Roy Walkenhorst, and welcome back to Healing Quest, your healthy lifestyle show. Our focus here is the latest in the natural options to help us all achieve optimum well-being. The month of May is Trauma Awareness Month, so we want to spend some time now exploring an aspect of mental health that's been described as an invisible epidemic. We're talking about trauma. Psychiatrists say that 70% of adults will experience a traumatic event in their lifetime. And for many people, it's an insidious and in a really hidden event. To help change that, psychiatrist Paul Conti has written a book titled Trauma, the Invisible Epidemic. And he's joining us now from his office in Portland, Oregon. Hi, Dr. Conti. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. Pleasure to be with you. Let's start with your story, just a little bit about your story and why you were drawn to this particular part of psychiatric care. Well, having been a psychiatrist for about 20 years now, um, I saw just over and over again that in trying to help people, no matter what the setting, what the circumstance, there was a recurrent theme over and over and over again, which was that the problems we were trying to address were rooted in trauma. So trauma was where the addiction started. Trauma was uh, the reinforcer of depression, of panic, of poor sleep, of physical health problems. And it was seeing that over and over and over again and, and integrating that with the neuroscience around trauma that I think is really not at all fully appreciated, right? That when trauma rises to a certain level, it overwhelms our coping mechanisms and it leaves our brains different as we move forward. And I would see the results of that difference, right? The person who before trauma thought that they could live a good life and have a good job and be a good parent. And, and, and then after trauma doesn't feel that way anymore and often doesn't even remember that they felt that way. Right. And that anchors into experiences in my own life, say before I was a physician. And I write about in the book that that we lost my youngest brother to suicide. And it was before I'd gone to medical school. And and you know, I, I had all the reactions to it that I think are classic of trauma. Right. I felt extremely anxious. I felt that the world could never be OK and I could never make my way in it. I felt a sense of guilt and shame that it had happened. And then I, I should have known I should have prevented it. And, and, you know, it was driving me in really unhealthy places. And I was fortunate through other people's help to, to the support of friends and family around me to get some professional help and to sort of write myself and, and my course forward, uh, even though, of course, it's still with me in ways today. But I, I came to an understanding where it didn't derail me and it didn't change how I felt about myself in the world permanently. But in, in seeing what I have seen as a clinician and then mapping it back to my own life, uh, it is, became so compelling to me to write about it and to try and get the word out about the truth of of what goes on in us and what we can do to make it better. Auntie, starting from a very basic place, how would you define trauma for the mainstream uh, radio listener? Mm -hmm. so, so trauma, for the purposes of what I'm talking about and what I've written about in the book, is an experience, which could be an acute experience, or it can be something a person experiences over time. So chronic denigration related to socioeconomic status or gender identity, for example, right? So trauma can be acute, trauma can be chronic, and it can also be vicarious, right? We, we are blessed with, with empathy and the ability to feel as other people do, which is a wonderful human quality, 
but it means we can also experience other people's trauma and suffering, as we see if we tune into the news of what's going on in the Ukraine or all the, the deaths in this country over the last several years. So, so it can be acute, chronic, or vicarious, but it overwhelms our coping mechanisms, and then it changes our brains, which means it changes our psychology too, as we move forward. And it's not a soft concept and it's not a pie in the sky assertion. I mean, the, the best of the science that we know now tells us that that is absolutely true. And so you're talking about, just to be clear for all of you out there, we're talking about both emotional and physical trauma, right? Right, because, because physical trauma, we also will experience emotionally. Right. right. So if we're in an accident, we're physically hurt or someone right. attacks us. Right. So ultimately it is, you know, it's the brain that, that, that in which the trauma resides. Right. But the brain and the body are connected. So the trauma induced changes in the brain do affect the body. And we know that more than half of the medical problems brought to general medical doctors or half of the complaints right, are rooted in mental health issues. So more than half are rooted in mental health. And so much of mental health is rooted in trauma. I think one of the things in your book that is, um, I think so valuable are practical tools to help mm -hmm. ourselves and others. So can you give us um, maybe a few of those today? Sure. Sure. The, the book is meant to be read by anyone. It's not an academic text. And I mean for it to be engaging, which is why there are examples and stories in the book. And there are also these antidotes, right? Because the antidotes are things that we can do. Many of them are things that we can do today, right? So for example, a technique called progressive muscle relaxation, which helps to relax mind and body and can pave the way either to rest or to sleep. Right. It works very, very well when it's employed. It's not employed that often. So so that's one antidote in the book. A life narrative is another um, is another strategy written about in the book, right, of writing about ourselves, because oftentimes it will bring out what is inside of us. How many people have I seen more than I could ever count who have known that there is something wrong inside since that thing happened some period of time ago, right? Whatever that thing may be, right? But they, but they can't get it out of them. They don't know where to go with it. They can't often even put words to it, right? But if they start writing things down, boy, then it all comes out. Right? So we can write a life narrative. We can talk with a trusted person about what's going on inside of us. Right? These are ways to bring the trauma to the surface. And then there are many techniques for coping with distress in the moment. And the muscle relaxation is just, is just one of them. What's interesting, and you touched on this a little bit, and that is you know, the brain biology, uh, the role of the limbic system, and, and specifically mm -hmm. how trauma alters our brain biology and our emotions and our memories and our, our physical experience of, of illness and pain. And I'm wondering um, if that's something that you see often that people, they, they don't understand that their brain has really changed. I mean, I know I've heard people say, I don't even know why I really feel this way, but I just, I don't feel right. I just don't feel right. 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 And you're saying, you're suggesting it's, it's actually physical. Physical in the sense that our brains and bodies are connected. So if there's high levels of, of distress and tension in us, that is going to affect us from head to toe. Right. So so the, the changes in the brain will create, for example, endocrinological changes. Right. Now, the hormones that are running around in, in our bodies are different than they would otherwise be. Right? So we have higher levels of vigilance, higher levels of fight or flight hormone, hormones, less variability in our heart rate, more inflammation. Right? These are all things that are just bad for us, and they're bad for us from 
head to toe, and they don't have to be there in us. And and really, as I will say, that no one comes out of the womb filled with tension and thinking that they that, that they can't make anything of themselves and that life is going to just hurt them all the time, right? Like that's not our default state. So when the distress and the tension is in us, that that is it's not for no reason, right? It's for reasons related to hormones and firing of neurons in our brains, right? It's that our brains are making it that way in our brains and body because often most of the time that is because we have unprocessed trauma in us and when we go and process the trauma it changes right like lo and behold we don't have to feel that way but again we have to have hope we have to know that what's going on inside of us is not you know um sort of a bleeding heart everybody should win an award right but but like when there's real trauma there's real impact inside of us and if we see that through a scientific and medical lens then we can go after it and we can change it. And we don't have to feel filled with tension, unable to sleep, intrusive thoughts we can't get out of our minds, you know, just the kind of pervasive fear that's in many of us. Well, you're suggesting then that we can beat trauma. And I love that if we do these things. And that's one of, one of the beliefs that we've had. And I think I mentioned to you that we've done a lot of stories on trauma. Yes. On using trauma as a portal for transformation. Yes. And that if you can come through it and you get to the other side, you come out a more resilient and full functioning person. One of the things I learned when we did that series, and I want your opinion on this, is that um, trauma doesn't always have to have a capital T. Mm -hmm. You don't have to survive a hurricane or anything. Right. Sometimes it's an accumulation. And that's also one reason why I think it's so invisible because people think about trauma is, oh, well, I've been lucky because I haven't had a major anything. Yeah, right. but I got this life that's making me crazy. Am I thinking about that the right way? Yeah, that, that fits with the science, right? That says, so acute trauma is the big event, right? Big T trauma, right? Mm -hmm. But chronic trauma is the accumulation. It's like saying, if you, if you have a scale, right, you can put, you can put a lot of weight on this side right, in one, one fell swoop, or you can put a, a lot of small weights, right? And you can get then the same effect. And, and that appears to be the case from the scientific data and the clinical data inside of us. So what gets called say, the multiple hit hypothesis, where a person can have multiple traumas, right? But it might be that fifth, sixth, seventh trauma that now changes and they have the brain changes of a post-trauma syndrome. Right? And it may be that that fifth stressor really kind of got them where it hurt. You know, it is something that was particularly triggering, even if it might seem to be less of a stressor than some of the bigger ones that came before it. Right? Then we have the accumulation, which I have seen again more times than I could count, of someone who has the beleaguered feeling, has the brain changes in them, and they can't identify a trauma, right? Because they haven't had a big T trauma. But for example, they may have been denigrated or seen chronically as less than for reasons that could be related to race, gender, sexuality, whatever it may be. And then the person is going through life in a world that is creating extra vulnerability for them. I mean, I think this was a huge part when we saw the Black Lives Matter movement and to say like, right, like white, white parents don't necessarily have to worry that if they have a, a teenage son, right, that teenage son is going to be randomly shot for something, right? That's not really, uh, that, that doesn't warrant, you know, violence, right? Like th that's, there's a way in which the, the way that we've treated race in this country creates a chronic tension and ultimately a trauma in people who are worried all the time, right? That something could happen that's not right, not fair and singles them out, 
right? And I think that's just one example of a worry that, that is in more black parents than it is in white parents. So, so is it fair or reasonable to ignore that, right? And to say someone who's laboring under the fears of a world that is either seeing them as less than or has a lower threshold to violence towards them, right? Why would we expect that that doesn't affect anyone? It doesn't mean everybody in that situation has a post-trauma syndrome, but some people in it do. And it's unfair, unreasonable, scientifically and medically unsound to discount that. Thank you. Do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to leave with our listeners today about what they can do to, you know, a real call to action? For sure, we can make ourselves and the world around us better. The first step is we have to realize that. And then we have to kind of go to the common sense of it, right? If there's something going on inside of us that we haven't faced, it's running around in the back of our minds, right? Let's look at that, right? The idea that if we get help for something, if we put words to something, if we find other good people around us, we can make life better, kind of roots us in the common sense of what we learn from our religious traditions and even from our early childhood education, right? That, that, that we can make life better. We can understand ourselves better and we can use that understanding to help ourselves, to help people that we care about around us and to make society a better place. And, and, and that is the message of the book. It's a very common sense message. I mean, the science is in there and all of that, but I don't mean for it to be an academic text. I mean for it to be something a person can pick up and really see the common sense of the message and the hopefulness of the message and the practicality of the message too. Thank you, Dr. Conti, so much for your time today and good luck with the book. I hope it does really well because it's certainly something that I think most of us could learn something from. So thanks again for sharing your time with us today. You are very welcome. I appreciate you having me. Thank you for having me. Welcome. We've been speaking with Dr. Paul Conti about his new book entitled Trauma, The Invisible Epidemic, which is designed to help anyone suffering from trauma by restoring their well-being and their happiness. Up next on our show, Judy's Wild Woman Wisdom segment and some insights on accepting yourself just the way you are. And remember, podcasts of this and other Healing Quest shows are available at our website, HealingQuest.tv. And please follow us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter at HealingQuest. You know, you can also find all the stories that we've done for our television show at HealingQuest's YouTube channel. I'm Judy Brooks. And I'm Roy Walkenhorst, and you're listening to Healing Quest on iHeartRadio. Healing Quest is brought to you by Clearlight Infrared, makers of jacuzzi saunas whose infrared heating technology penetrates deep to boost the immune system, increase blood flow, reduce stress, and detox naturally. You can learn more about jacuzzi saunas at infraredsaunas.com. That's infraredsaunas.com. And use the promo code HEALINGQUEST. Or you can call Clearlight at 1-800-798-1779. That's 1-800-798-1779.